This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Good morning, everybody. Daphne, how are you today? I'm good. It's Wednesday. We're getting there. I know. Mostly through the week. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the what 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 do we call it? Hump day. Hump day. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's for people who have a typical work week, right? But <laughs> I guess so. That's right. Um, all right. So pulmonary week two, and uh, we're continuing with pulmonary questions. Uh, I guess I'm going to, I guess the, yesterday you, you finished off mm-hmm. the show, so it's my turn to go. I'm going to ask you pulmonary question number 43. Daphne, you are called to see a three-hour-old three hour term male infant born via vaginal delivery. Abgar scores are 8-9, and the infant has episodes of respiratory distress and cyanosis at rest. I know you hate those consoles, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> When they call you after the fact in the nursery or in the L&D, I, I know you, <laughs> you'd rather be there at the delivery. I, li- uh, I want to know what happened at the delivery. <laughs> that's right. Um, so the baby has respiratory distress and cyanosis at rest. Both of these symptoms resolve during crying. Dum, dum, dum. The infant does not have a murmur and the rest of his exam is normal. Daphna, all of the following are true about the infant's likely diagnosis, except, all right, so tell me which one is not true. Two-thirds of cases are unilateral. An oral airway may provide temporary improvement. Females are affected more than males at a two-to-one ratio. Surgical repair can be delayed depending on severity. Last choice is the infant's diagnosis is not typically associated with other congenital abnormalities. So we're looking for all of the followings, all of the different choices, which one is not true? Okay. So um, this is a two, two-step question, right? You had That's to make right. the diagnosis and then pick the right answer. So um, you've got a three-hour-old three term infant who's having respiratory distress. And so the diagnosis could be so many different things, right? It could still be TTN, but I would have expected that to present early. Could it be sepsis? Could it be one of those spontaneous pneumothoraces? Um, But they gave us a key piece of information, I think, that both of these symptoms resolve during crying, um, which would make me think that this baby has something anatomic, specifically coanal atresia. Um, Good job. Thanks. I mean, <laughs> but that's not the. But that's not the. That's not the answer. <laughs> yeah. So even if you weren't sure what the diagnosis was, I think looking at the answer choices helps uh, you rule some things out. Um, so it doesn't look like it's RDS or TTN or sepsis because of the answer choices. So let's say two thirds of cases are unilateral. Um, I don't know the exact number, but I feel like most cases are unilateral. So I'm going to put a pin in that one. An oral airway may provide temporary improvement. Um, That's true, uh, depending on the degree of um, 
narrowing or mm -hmm. atresia or if it's unilateral or bilateral. And that's why um, it resolves during crying because the babies get more air in through the mouth since they can't do it through the nose. I was going to say it makes sense mechanically speaking. Right. So when you put a pacifier, a bottle in this baby's mouth, you re they really, they no really bueno. drop pretty fast. Um, and so crying helps. So uh, it, it, it would reason, stand to reason that an oral airway will help. Females are affected more than males at a two to one ratio. So I'm actually not sure about this answer, except that uh, nearly all of the babies that I have seen with coenal atresia are female. So this may be true. <laughs> Surgical repair can be delayed depending on severity. Um, that's definitely true um, depending on how much narrowing you have, what is the respiratory distress, how much respiratory need does the baby have. The infant's diagnosis is not typically associated with other congenital abnormalities. So I know that to be false. So I coenal atresia... Um, Many cases are associated with other congenital abnormalities, and then that's why we would start to work this baby up for charge syndrome. So while I wasn't sure about all of the answers, I'm going to say that E is the right choice because it is incorrect. You are on a roll. Yes, it is. It is. You haven't gotten many wrong so far. Um, that's not true. <laughs> So you are correct about the diagnosis. Coenal atresia affects uh, one in eight, uh, one child in eight thousand birth, and um, it's basically an occlusion secondary to either a thin membranous covering or a dense cartilaginous occlusion. I have a mnemonic for you. Ah, as as I've mentioned in week one, my mnemonics are terrible, <laughs> but this is how I remember this. All right, we'll judge. We'll we'll be the judge here. I am not a pet person. I don't mm. have a dog. I don't have a cat. But this mm -hmm. is a pet related uh, mnemonic. <laughs> so the way I remember this is by remembering a cat's fur, even though it's not called fur. But I'm thinking about it like you know, okay. like a big cat. Let's so see. cat is coenal atresia, right? So C is coenal, at is atresia, and fur is for. F, females, uh, mm. so two to one, female. U is for unilateral, mm -hmm. uh, and that's two, uh, two thirds are unilateral. And the R is for right side, meaning of the cases that are unilateral, right size is usually more, two to one. Does okay. that work? I think that will work. Cat, fur. <laughs> I'm not going to forget that. Wait, okay. like, a, like a tiger. <laughs> sure, whatever <Yeah>. works. <laughs> I don't have a cat, so to me, I'm perfectly okay with calling anything. the calling the 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 coat of a of a cat fur. fur. I'm perfectly okay with that, <laughs> even though it's completely wrong, and it helps me pass my board. So I'm going for it. Okay. Um, obviously, um, unilateral usually less symptomatic, obviously because um, they have another another route for for um, for ventilation. Bilateral usually leads into more severe symptoms, and yeah, I mean, like, as you said. Um, the way you diagnose this is by passing a catheter. And if you if you encounter any obstruction, then you would need to confirm diagnosis with imaging, usually a CT or an MRI. Uh, you could use then to manage an oral airway to make sure that uh, the mouth is patent and that we're not closing the mouth and obstructing um, the passage of air and eventually potentially surgery. Now, when it comes to congenital anomalies, 50% uh, are associated mm -hmm. with congenital anomalies, which is kind of huge. And the most notable, you mentioned it, is charge. And so... Um, that's fairly straightforward, and that's pretty much it for this question. I wanted to make sure that we went over charge again because mm -hmm. I feel like this is something that we can drill uh, over and over mm -hmm. again. So um, 
charge, the thing that gets me the most is that C, the C. is the C, the That's goddamn right. C. <laughs> it's not, it's not choanolatresia. C is colobomas. And it's also okay? not cardiac. It's colobomas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, H is the heart defect. A is the atresia, the choanolatresia. So, yeah. And uh, R is the retarded growth. The G is for uh, the GU anomalies. And then E is for ear anomalies slash uh, deafness. Um, but yeah, so charge is the most common one that you're going to find associated with uh, coenolatresia. And, co and congenital anomalies are 50% of the time associated mm -hmm. with coenolatresia. So yeah. Okay. I think um, it's helpful. I, I, they're not similar, but I always like to study them together. I like to, when I think about charge syndrome, I like to review vactoral syndrome also, just so I don't get them confused because um, they have atresias in them, I guess. That's right. <laughs> and so we can, we might as well review vactoral. So Bactrol does not have coanal atresia. Um, it has anal atresia. So the V is vertebral anomalies, A, anal atresia, C, cardiac, uh, the TE are uh, tracheoesophageal fistulas, R is renal anomalies. So the R in charge um, is uh, retardation of growth. growth. Um, they also do tend to have more... Um, um, neurodevelopmental impairment um, than babies with Bacteral. So I remember, you have to remember that R is renal in vertebral. And then L is limb anomalies. Yeah, so you're right about groups. that. And I think it's so tricky because in Bacteral, the C is cardiovascular in charge. The H is heart. In Bacteral, the A is anal atresia. And in charge, it's A for atresia, but it's coanal atresia. Mm -hmm. And the C in charge is for coloboma. So it's, it's just have to dissociate them as much as possible and not assume that the same letter applies for the same uh, symptom in both. Yeah, I just remember that charge starts with a C, so it has coena and coloboma in it <laughs> predominantly. Sounds like a plan. Um, okay, question 45. A two-month-old female infant is recovering from cardiac surgery. She is receiving nasogastric feedings of breast milk fortified to 26 calories per ounce with formula and has had fair growth. She presents with acute respiratory distress. A chest radiograph demonstrates a right pleural effusion with layering on the decubitus film. Analysis of the pleural effusion by thora thoracocentesis reveals a xanthochromic fluid with 80% lymphocytes. Her respiratory distress improves after thoracocentesis. What is the most appropriate next step in the dietary management of this infant? Okay. You're gonna, uh, I'll give you the to... answer choices. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what you wanted me to do. <laughs> this is a reflex answer for me. Uh, chylothorax, blank. But anyways, okay. Uh, the A choice. Uh, change to a long chain triglyceride formula. B change to a medium chain triglyceride formula. C, change to a short chain triglyceride formula. D, continue breast milk without fortification. E, continue current feedings of fortified breast milk. Right. So the fact that we have this, um, this, this fluid, this pleural effusion, and 
to me, the key in there is the fact that the baby is recovering from cardiac surgery. Mm-hmm. I think right away of a chylothorax. Oh, yeah. I gave, um, you the, I gave away the answer. <laughs> you did give away the answer. It is a two-step process, but you, you take care of step one. That's great. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Um, <laughs> and so, um, obviously... Um, something has to be changed. So A, B, and C say change change something. And D and E say continue breast milk without fortification, or E says continue current feeding of fortified breast milk. Uh, no, you do have to change uh, in order to avoid the reaccumulation of chylothorax. And I don't remember exactly of the mechanism, but I do remember that you have to change to a medium-chain triglyceride formula. Um, yeah. And I wish I, I, I remembered the mechanism right now, but I don't. Okay. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> so um, that's correct. You would change to medium chain triglyceride formula. So let's talk about this fluid. So it, it is, in fact, a chylothorax. Um, it is an accumulation of lymphatic fluid in the pleural cavity, but it's it's specifically um, chylus fluid. And so we can see this frequently associated, most commonly associated with trauma um, during delivery, but very commonly in thoracic surgeries. So we also see it associated with chromosomal anomalies like trisomy 21 and Noonan syndrome, but less so. And they gave us a lot of clues about the type of fluid. So uh, a chylothorax um, will have uh, xanthochromia. It has a lymphocytic predominance. It has an elevated protein count and um, notably a very high triglyceride level. Um, So that's how you decide what type of effusion it is. And these infants um, can present with respiratory distress because the lung, the 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 thoracic compartments are filling with fluid, um, compressing uh, the lung, and they often present with decreased breath sounds over the side of the effusion. Mm-hmm. Um, they can have uh, secondary infections because of loss of immune, immunoglobulins and lymphocytes. Um, and then they can also have malnutrition secondary to fatty acid, triglyceride, and protein losses into the fluids. Um, we can confirm it on, on the, ex, the finding on an x-ray, but you really uh, need to get a sample of the fluid to decide what kind of fluid it is. And like we said, we we discuss the, the fluid analysis. And then um, the acute therapy, especially if a baby is decompensated, is um, uh, thoracentesis and getting rid of the extra fluid so that you can have improved lung lung expansion. Um, These babies are frequently started on um, parental nutrition in the short term um, during recovery. And they um, sometimes need replacement of albumin because it's lost in that fluid. So then once you restart feeding, that's when you had to make this decision point. Um, So if we really think it's um, caused by a disruption in the lymphatic vasculature, especially like for this baby because likely secondary to cardiac surgery, um, we know that the lymphatic vessels are not required for absorption of medium chain triglycerides. And so that's why you would use a medium chain triglyceride um, formula because you just bypass that system. The lymphatic. That makes sense. That's right. Altogether. Now, there are some... um, techniques for skimming breast milk. 
um, to, to provide breast milk at a later time. But the, the answer in general is changing to a medium chain triglyceride formula. Um, other treatments um, for severe or um, recurring chylothorax are octreotide. Um, and occasionally we have to ligate the thoracic duct. I see. I have two questions. Okay. No, I don't have two questions. I have. So I think they could have also a, a, a nice giveaway sometimes is if they give you the triglyceride content of mm. the fluid, it's usually high. Correct. But then they said that the fluid was xanthromic. Uh, what is it? What did they say? Xanthrochromic. Um, xanthrochromic. Xanthrochromic. <clears throat> and I remember that it's usually, I mean, I guess my typical thought of chylothorax is that mm -hmm. it would be a milky type of fluid. Mm -hmm. So that, that threw me off a little bit mm -hmm. because I expect mm -hmm. some milky looking fluid. So I guess, uh, I guess it could be both. Um, yeah. Um, I also, we sometimes see effusions that are, say, lipids or things like that. Um, and that would be for a different reason, right? Malpositioned, pick line, something like that. That'd be really, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and then I mean, the way I remember it is that the, <clears throat> the fluid can be milky and stuff if the baby is feeding, but you mm. could also have a chylothorax if you're NPO, and then mm -hmm. it wouldn't look milky, obviously, because it wouldn't uh -huh. be any, any, any triglycerides in it and stuff like that. So uh, keep that in mind whether the yeah, you don't have to be feeding to have a chylothorax. I mean, right. you just have to have right. <laughs> and, and yeah, I think I agree. It's either looks white um, or very, very yellow, which is this xanthrochromia color, um, but they would both look very different than, say, a hemothorax, which would be red and bloody, or um, uh, a different type of floral effusion that is, you know, clear, really just fluid. Yeah. And it usually happens on the right side. That's what I had written in my notes. Correct. In my notes. You mentioned yes. that. Okay. And, and the other question they sometimes ask is: Is it does it tend to be unilateral, bilateral? And and um, even though it's you know, you think the lymphatics are, are, are everywhere. It tends to be the right lung more than the left lung because of the location of the thoracic duct. That's right. Okay. I think that was good. Mm -hmm. Happy Wednesday, everybody. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Sounds good. Definitely see you tomorrow. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.